Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Morning, friends, and welcome on into Morning Footy, presented by Taco Bell. Let's, boss, let's go uh, alongside Alexis Guerreros, Charlie Davies, Nico Cantor. I'm Allie Trost Martin. It's Friday. You know what that means? We got our kits on. Uh, no U.S. kits on the desk today, but we did just see the roster for the upcoming Nations League matches. So let's take a look and uh, give our reactions. As uh, of course, the big names missing: Christian Pulisic, not named to the roster due to muscle fatigue. Tim Weah also dealing uh, with a hamstring injury, and Tyler Adams has been missing with uh, hamstring as well. So this is the list. And uh, any names stand out? Chuck, I'll start with you. Yeah, Kevin Paredes uh, is You talked about him yesterday. Yes, I really like what I've seen from him. And, and obviously his coach, uh, Niko Kovac, um, has had high praise for, for his development. Um, and then Paxton Aronson, the younger brother of Brent Aronson, getting uh, a chance to come in with the senior team. I mean, he's only had five appearances this, this season. And the Bundesliga has played five minutes. But I'm curious, um, Alexis, since you, you're a, you were a keeper, what you think of the situation with Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath, and Gaga Solnina? Yeah, I think you're talking to Nico. No, I'm talking to you. When was I a keeper? What do you mean? When, <laughs> when was he a keeper? Can we pull up the clip? Oh, are you kidding me? This was all a great <laughs> setup. <laughs> yeah, there I am, man. <laughs> you know the funniest part about this? When you first brought this up, I had a bad knee too, which made this even worse. I had a knee injury. The guy what do you mean knee were you a keeper? Look at you, getting down quick. Wait, That's a good wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's a good setup. You were in cahoots with production from this morning to set up that joke? No, not at all. Charlie's no, that was just it. random. It just happened, that right? just, that just super random. That's a callback from like three months yeah. ago. Production had it yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's how, the, that's how comedy works on TV. They got it all queued up in case Charlie makes a joke for one. I just love that the U.S. Women's National Team roster dropped, and Charlie's first thought was, how can I yeah. weave this clip? It, He's it, like, here's it, what I want to talk about. Kevin Bunnett is a smarter. young superstar on the team. Oh, and let's make fun of Alexis from three months ago. I no, like but really. Uh, Alexis, what do you make of the goalkeeper now? I'm actually kind of shocked <laughs> that uh, Horvath is, uh, gets called up. He, you mentioned yesterday he's not even making team sheets. Yeah. There's a couple of players who I think kind of do have to show out a little bit on this. Like Chris Richards, I think, plays extremely well when he gets a chance. But I, I looked at his last – in all of October, he played 19 minutes. Mm-hmm. For Crystal Palace in the Premier League. I know he's had some uh, cup matches, but – No, but just four minutes since the last international break. Yeah. Which the is, last three matches, he's had four minutes. That's tough. I mean, how? what more does he have to do? Because in moments, he's – I know he's been up and down. There were some of the matches. But I think at U.S., he's shown well enough, well enough to get some time. He's played some, uh, some full matches, especially in the EFL Cup, for Crystal Palace. What's it going to take for a player like him to get a it, bit He's in more a difficult situation. There's I'm, two great center yeah. backs at Crystal Palace. So – 
it's one of those things where he's, he's shown his quality. He also needs a move. Just like Gio Reyna, I think he's in the same situation. But you need confidence. To, you, need, you need minutes. Absolutely. So you come into a national team camp because you are a top quality player. And this is where you show. This is, this is your, it's almost like a, a way for you to show everybody else in the world, all the clubs, hey, this is the quality that I can bring to your team. So it's almost like an audition every time you, you get a chance with the U.S. Men's National Do team. you guys think that there are, who are the, the biggest question marks for you along the back line right now for the United States? It's a great question. Um, I, I think probably just health. You know, you want to see guys like Miles Robinson stay healthy mm -hmm. for a long period of time. You've seen that drop he's off. A, he's a, a top name in the team sheet for Greg Berhalter when he is. Absolutely, and he deserves to be. I think yeah. he's an incredible center back, plays extremely well for the U.S. men's national team. I think I'm in the process now of saying who replaces Tim Ream, especially for the World Cup right. in 2026. Mm -hmm. I get I, he's an essential part of this team. Yeah, and, I think and he was great in 2022, he's, but he, yeah, 2026 been, is four years. He's been after, really important. So. But I, even after the last, after the Nations League, I'm like, all right, who's next? We need to start thinking about that pretty soon. Where do you see Cameron Carter Vickers in, in the, in the hey, lineup? Hey, Cameron Carter Vickers at the World Cup when he had his cameo played well. Yeah. Um, and he's consistent minutes on the best team in Scotland. And he's playing Champions League football, at least until December. What more, um, what more can you ask him about? I, like I'd like Cameron Carter-Vickers to get some minutes, decent minutes. Let's see him again. Um, can I throw out another name? Johnny Cardoso. I was super high on Johnny Cardoso ever since the last window. He started it against Ghana. I don't know how much he got tested out there. I don't know how much he's going to get tested out against Trinidad to be honest, but without Pulisic, I want to see how they can manipulate, how Berhalter can manipulate the midfield in order to fit a, a center defensive midfielder that we don't have. We don't have a six defender, that six is not a good term. Center defensive midfielder is a better term. Um, yeah. And he's, a, he's, a, he's a, like I said before, he's a Brazilian the midfielder. He's getting minutes with, he's an undisputed starter at Inter with Porto Alegre in, in, in the Brazilian Serie A. And he's been playing Copa Libertadores. He, his medal is really being tested. Isn't this the trial for who backs up Tyler Adams if and when Tyler Adams gets healthy again? Because that seems like that's his role. I mean, that, and I know Tyler Adams is a bit more dynamic going forward. But if we want someone that's going to camp out in front of the defensive midfielders, Johnny Cardozo has proven he's really good. And also, there's rumors of him getting a move out of Brazil, probably to, to your European Betis. team. They're linking him to Betis Hopefully strongly. There's a guy different, named different Leonard Maloney. Completely you know? different player than Tyler Adams, though. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not expecting so Johnny Cardoso to be playing out of the recover and be playing smoothly out of the back. I, I can have him. I would like to see him paired with a Yunus Musa, like he was against Ghana, and have Johnny Cardoso be the enforcer, break down play. We yeah. don't have anybody Camp out for the back. after Tyler Adams and after Johnny Cardoso that can break down play, get stuck in the midfield, I don't think. I don't think we have a replacement like kind, uh, like kind exchange for a Tyler Adams. Right. It just doesn't exist. No. So if Tyler Adams is not in the game, you need one defensive midfielder and someone else that's going to go forward, mm -hmm. and at least that defensive midfielder is quality enough to connect those passes, to, to spring that attack. Well, yeah. I, I think what we've seen is Yunus Musa just a, a, a adapt. I mean, the way he broke into this Milan side is incredible. I, and I knew it was going to take a little time, but he's forced himself to be a, a starter on this Again, Milan he's side. he's not playing the six at Milan. No, but he is responsible for coming back and helping. Correct. And, and playing Correct. a defensive style at times when Milan are, 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 are dropping deep. So uh, that's why I love Yunus Musa, because he can play however the game 
whatever the game dictates. Mm -hmm. And so alongside Weston McKinney, that's the, the partnership. And now it's Gio Reyna. You've got a lineup over there? I do. So and Gio Reyna is, is playing a little more than in, in, in more advanced role uh, where we've seen him thrive as a, as a 10. You know what? This would be a great topic to dig into next week. And if any of the fans have questions as to who Charlie thinks the best 11 is going into these Nations League games, then uh, send, us your, uh, send us your questions. If that's your question, uh, send it to at CBS Sports Galazzo and uh, we'll get to them. Tuesday mailbag, new yes. thing here on uh, Morning Footy. So look forward to that and also look forward to the headlines. Stefano Fusaro will join us next. Welcome back to Morning Footy presented by Taco Bell. This is, uh, I'm just hungry now, now yeah. that uh, this is what we're mentioning off the top Cheesy of the show. Cheesy Gordita Crunch time? Oh, yeah. Oh, what's I, everyone's always, favorite Taco Bell item? Um, easily the chicken quesadilla for me. Classic. That little the sauce that they put in there. I'm not going to so lie, good. it's a little boring. Okay, yeah. well, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, since... <laughs> you asked my favorite item. Since that's Taco it. Bell was, was the everything <laughs> for me, that... As a, this was your beacon as a child. As a, as a child, my dad would reward me with Taco Bell. If I did well, mm. I knew, and I knew I did well because he would take me to Taco Bell. So Mexican pizza, and I'd Ooh. do three soft shell and three hard shell. Wow. Wow. Got a lot of food, bro. Yeah. <laughs> a man after my own heart, bro. <laughs> did you have one? Or you Taco, Taco Bell is everything that? for me. Yeah, uh, soccer tournaments. We had a lot of Taco Bell at soccer tournaments. Cheesy gordita crunch. Cheesy gordita crunch? Yeah. What's yeah. The, Alexis is the giving Supreme me Crunch. Stick. What's that thing? Crunch Rap uh, Supreme. Crunch Rap Supreme. Mm, that's good. incredible. But for me, the Doritos Locos taco. Are you sure it's not the cinnamon twist? Okay, that's the first thing I <laughs> ate. Oh, I panicked. Cinnamon twist. Guanos don't eat tacos. I went in there by myself. I had $5. I panicked. And I got the one thing I knew, which was cinnamon. And, I don't know. It seems and pretty And Taco Tom to was a legend. Taco Tom. Taco Tom, Manchester, Ooh, Hampshire. Shouts to Taco Tom. Where are you? Shouts to Taco Tom. Hope you're watching today. Stephanie, we'll let you get to the headlines now. Yeah, can we stop talking about Taco Bell? I'm so hungry right I, now. My it's, stomach is growling. It's insane. So. All right, let's get the headlines. We start with a happy ending to a story we've been following for weeks. Luis Diaz's father has been released by the National Liberation Army, or ELN, the guerrilla responsible for kidnapping the Liverpool strikers' parents almost two weeks ago. Luis Manuel Diaz was freed by his captors on Thursday and was escorted to safety by representatives from the United Nations and the Catholic Church. Diaz's parents were kidnapped on October 28th while his mother was freed shortly after the abduction, the guerrilla group held his father while a full-scale search by Colombian military and police sought his return. That search delayed the release with the ELN demanding the end of military operations before releasing him. Diaz returned to action on Sunday for the first time since the kidnapping and scored a late equalizer for Liverpool at Luton. He celebrated by revealing a shirt with a message pleading for his father's release. In coaching news, Diego Simeone's tenure at Atletico Madrid is going to last a few more years. Someone should tell Nigel Rio Coker that. The Argentinian boss has signed a three-year contract extension with the La Liga powerhouse, keeping him through with Atleti through the 26-27 season. Simeone has arrived, has served as the club's manager since December of 2011. He's won a pair of La Liga titles and a Europa League titles and while leading Atletico to two Champions League finals in his almost 12 years in charge. From a coach signing a new contract to a coach who's now looking for a new job. Hernan Lozada has been fired by Montreal after just one season in charge. Uh, the Argentine coach lasted 10 months in Canada after taking over from Wilfred Nancy, who left Montreal to become head coach of Columbus Crew last winter. 
Montreal failed to qualify for the MLS Cup playoffs, finishing with a record of 12 wins, 17 losses, and five draws. The Canadian-based club managed just one win in their final nine matches, a slide that cost them a chance at the playoffs and ultimately cost Lasada his job. What did they expect? He, had, he was a tremendous failure at DC United, and they hired him. This is what happens when you hire a bad coach who had a bad record, who had a bad and a bad reputation. Reputation, and you hire him. I thought he did Portland's decent. Portland's ears just got really hot. <laughs> I thought he did decent with what he was given at Montreal. It wasn't a whole lot to work with, and then they traded some players away, and the ownership group. It's 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 kind of a, a mess over there uh, wow. in Montreal, and uh, Losada is now out. In other MLS news, Roman Berkey has been named MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. The Swiss shots, the Swiss shot stopper, enjoyed an outstanding first season in MLS, helping St. Louis to a record-setting experience. Expansion season. Berkey is the first goalkeeper to win the award uh, with an MLS expansion team in 25 years, recording 17 wins and eight shutouts. He beat out Roman Celentano and Pedro Gallese. In NWSL news, Crystal Dunn's time with the Portland Thorns is over. The U.S. women's national team star announced she's leaving the Thorns as a free agent after three seasons with the club, announcing her departure on Instagram earlier today. The 31-year-old helped lead the Thorns to the NWSL championship in 2022. She made 20 appearances for the Thorns in 2023, registering five goals and two assists, returning to action after the birth of her son earlier in the season. Uh, Allie, we haven't heard any strong rumors, really. I'm where she's going to go. Uh, you have to think that pretty much every team in the league really would love to have Crystal Dunn on their team. Where do you see her going? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a great free agent. I could see her going back home to New York. Mm. Gotham FC seemed to be a team that's really, uh, in the last year, been putting a, a lot towards building a, a, as strong of a roster as possible, which has also now gotten them to the point where they're playing in the NWSL final. Kansas City is a team that we also see going after those big name uh, signings as well. I, could see her really ending up anywhere. I mean, she still, we saw what she did last year helping lead Portland to uh, the NWSL final, and they won that championship as well. She scored that amazing goal coming off of uh, missing 2022 due to pregnancy and scored in that semifinal game against San Diego. I mean, this is, it's going to be, she'll be at one of the, one of the top on the list of free agents to watch where they go. Yeah, I'd be interested. I bet you uh, Angel City makes a run for her. Yeah. They could definitely use someone who's a, a bit more of a proven winner, someone on that team that can help inspire mm -hmm. them sort of the, the way they play the second Especially half of the now season. that they're losing Julie Ertz as well. I yeah. think, you know, just having um, a player with that experience and that, that winning mindset, like you said, plus what she can still bring in a number of different positions, right? She can play on the back line. She can play in the midfield as well. So... Yeah, I think I could uh, see Vlaco trying to bring her to yeah. Kansas City. Oh, yeah, I could see her not picking up that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right, well, uh, we'll take a quick break here on Morning Footy when we come back. We're talking all things Europa League. Stay with us. Welcome to Toulouse for this Europa League contest. Swazo in, Kelleher gets a touch, here's a chance, it is 3-1, it's Frank Magri. The goalkeeper stays and the header is in. Chancel and Bamba with another goal in Europe for Marseille. And he's got support right and left. He's found Adingra, Adingra finds the back of the net. And now Ajax have a mountain to climb. Clever ball, Paqueta! West Ham have the lead. 
Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at some of the notable Europa League results. Brighton 2-0 over Ajax. West Ham United 1-0 over Olympiacos. A 2-0 uh, win for Slavia Prague over Roma. And Rangers getting it done 2-1 against uh, Sparta Prague. Slavia Prague, Sparta Prague. What, uh, what results stood out to you guys? You guys were... Calling all of this action we yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's funny because when we do the post-game show, often we get asked immediately by Poppy, what results stood out? After doing 16 games, your brain is fried <laughs> and you're like, uh, so now you're like short to circuit, uh, trying to remember a result. But to lose Liverpool yeah, was that's a big one. the big one. Um, to lose winning three, three or two. And Jurgen Klopp rotated a lot, a number of players. And a couple teenagers, uh, Dolak, Doak, Doan, Doan scored uh, for Freiburg. Who, yeah, he did. Who was they, a fantastic goal. But who did they beat? Freiburg beat the Serbian um, team, the second place Serbian team that we like saying their name. Tesice. There you go. No, but Liverpool they had to bring on Mo Salah, and he helped change the game. But then, in the end. A play, Alexis McAllister, it comes off his chest and hits his arm. The ref doesn't give a handball in that moment. It goes sideways. It goes, I would even go further and say it goes backwards, but continue. Okay, it goes sideways, goes forward. The cross, it gets deflected. Then the Toulouse central defender heads the ball. It's not a great header, but he plays the ball. He clears the ball. He has possession because he's making an attempt. Mm -hmm. And then the cross comes in, and then eventually... Boom, Liverpool score. Now, they go, they look at the goal, and they call a handball with, through VAR. Um, it's, for me, yes, it was a handball. It, it was. Should, ref should have called it yes, in the moment. But he didn't call it in the moment. And then, when the ball goes to the Toulouse defender to play it, and he mm -hmm. plays it deliberately, that's when it, you shouldn't be able to go back and replay the, the goal and take it away, in my, in my opinion. But um, but that's not per the definition of attacking phase of play, right? Yeah. But still, yeah. it feels like it's so far removed. There were eight touches on the ball. And after Alexis McAllister gains control and passes the ball, it's not like he is launching into attack. He plays the ball laterally for then the ball to be played in. But I'm okay so with that because they still have possession. Right, but it's, it's when they, they lose they, they possession. Lose the ball. I feel like that's when so, it should be there, done. There's so many arguments in gray areas as to this attacking phase of play and how far we can go with, with the ball. Like how, how much are we scrutinizing a handball that was eight touches, touches the ball yeah. ago? If it's a direct, it leave, if the handball leads directly to the goal, like the rule mm -hmm. says, it, it should be disallowed. I understand you can't score a goal with your hand or, or the pass, the person it, that passes the It shouldn't the ball deflect to, off and like for... control the ball either. But uh, you're suggesting that when they review the goal, they should only go back as far as they had the last amount of possession? Right, so it hits the arm, hits yeah, yeah, the bo yeah. body, arm, and then, okay, should be a handball. It's not. Should have been They called. pass the ball again. If that went, that led to a goal, then I'd that say... That next pass. Yes. Yeah. Or the next pass after that, fine, I'd uh -huh. say... You're saying because the defender headed the ball. Can we Once, see the play in full? Yes. Yeah, show that and, one more time. And, and, and so I can maybe better illustrate what I'm, what I'm trying to say. So, Alexis McAllister wins the ball, and it comes off his body, and then his hand. Mm -hmm. Should have been called by the referee there. Yeah. It, it's not called. Okay. He makes a pass. Then that Liverpool player makes a pass. Now, on the cross, which gets deflected by a Toulouse defender, it then ends up at another Toulouse defender 
who makes an attempt to clear the ball. A horrible clearance because it's a header right to the Liverpool player, right back to it. Then the cross comes in and it's ugly. Another couple deflections and then it ends up in the back mm -hmm. of the net. My, my point is once the Toulouse defender has a clear chance at the ball and makes a deliberate play at the ball, an attempt to clear yeah. it, that restart should 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 nullify restart that, that should be as far should. back as they were yes yeah. it, it should, should but in my mind. it also feels like you're sort of punishing them for having the ball you know what i mean that when that handball should have been called earlier so that goal shouldn't count but i get your point you shouldn't go as far back until you see something bad happen or a foul happen and it was pretty clear that the ref should have seen that right yeah, yeah. this uh, again we fall into the trap of a referee not calling something on the field and having VAR make up for the mistake, and now and then you have to try week, and draw the parameters around. Okay, in the attacking phase was like right, then, but, like, but considering this week with where VAR has gone, I don't know if referees are scared to call certain things and not trust their instinct because they know they have the safety mm -hmm. net of VAR. That's where I wonder where technology has brought referees to, into a moment mm -hmm. where they are frightened and not trusting their gut. And if they're not doing that, ref, the, the, the game is being refereed yeah. by somebody else. Well, it's not even that. Even in England, Mike Dean said, I didn't want to call him to the monitor because he he's was my, my friend. friend. We're talking about ridiculous. friends, the relationship. I don't want to make yeah. him look bad. Also, can that I just say something? Let me Look, who is to blame for the situation we're in now with VAR? My suggestion is going to be England. Now, let me explain. They're Do part you of IFAB? Uh, no, no. Do you remember when uh, MLS was one of the first leagues to institute yes. VAR? Mm -hmm. Every time there was a VAR, what did the ref do? The ref ran to the screen. Mm -hmm. And then remember England were the first ones where the ref just stood in the middle of the pitch and waited the Premier League. The ref would wait and be told, okay, it is, maybe it is a mistake. You need to come look at it. Where it's almost, in, it's almost insinuated that if you're going to go to the screen, it's because you are going to reverse your call. If they would just go to the screen every single time, it wouldn't be every time VAR is used, so to speak, it's to reverse the call or it's a big controversial call. If they just would go to the screen every single time like they did the first time, like we, when, when VAR first came through in MLS, they went to the screen and sometimes the ref on the pitch yeah. would say, any no, I see what you're call, saying. Any subjective call, excuse me, go to, go to the monitor. Just go to the monitor every time VAR gets in your ear. Go to the screen and have that conversation while looking at it so the ref can decide, you know what? I don't agree with you. I think I, my call on the on the field stands. Go back to the pitch. Now, every time the ref goes to the screen, it's a massively controversial call because VAR is telling them, I think you're wrong, so you now have to come well, to the screen. Well, that's the whole thing. You, you only go to the screen if... VAR You're thinks you've made a clear and obvious so go error. every time, and that way fans won't be that upset about VAR. Yeah. Now, the VAR, now every single time VAR is by every time? Every time and VAR is used, the ref goes to the screen, it's because they're being told you're wrong. If every time VAR is checking something, you're the there called, too. You're there as well at the screen having that conversation with VAR. You can decide, no, this wasn't a mistake. I'm sticking with my decision. Yeah, but the, the thing and is, then refs wouldn't be. But, but that's a waste of time because what if the VAR, who's making that check, mm -hmm deems it not to be a clear and obvious error. 
So then you don't even have to, you wasted your time going to the monitor if you don't have to. But that's what we did the first year when MLS did it. It wasn't a waste of time, and that time is still being no, wasted by the refs standing there a, waiting. You the would go to the monitor through. because they told you it was a clear and obvious. No, no, no. Start. The that's first why. time they went every single time, no. every time VAR check. Nope. Yeah, look, no way. All you right, have we to will continue uh, this this discussion here privately uh, during the break. Let's take a look <laughs> at the uh, notable uh, Europa Conference League results from yesterday. Aston Villa two-one win over oh. AZ Alkmaar. What a glint! Ludogorets. Wow, the Turkish team's down. That's a pretty, the, the Norwegian team going to Turkey, it's a pretty big result. Yeah, some, uh, some big ones yesterday. Lille 1-1 against Slovan Bratislava and Club Bruges 2-0 over Lugano. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking all things Premier League with Jeff Shreve. Stay with us. Welcome to Manchester City, the holders of the Champions League trophy. And that's why... What a hit from Erling Haaland. Tremendous power. And Sufati and Brighton have just the start they wanted. With Hoyland free inside him, it's Garnacho though, and Hoyland has scored again. But here goes Saka. Saka, it is. He's earned that goal. Welcome back to Morning Footy, presented by Taco Bell. Here's a look at some of the notable Premier League fixtures coming up this weekend. Liverpool taking on Brentford. They'll look to bounce back uh, in that match. Chelsea will take on Man City on Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Man U, another team looking to bounce back after a tough loss. We'll look to do that against Luton Town Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Arsenal, Burnley, Wolves, Tottenham. Lots of great matchups. And now joining us to talk about this upcoming weekend is our good friend Jeff Shreves. But Jeff, you uh, you were listening in on our VAR conversation just before uh, <laughs> just before you joined us here. Your thoughts as VAR has unfortunately been dominating the conversation uh, in European football as of late. It's an absolute mess. It's an absolute joke. Nobody knows what's going on. All sorts of opinions. And that's just the discussion in your studio. Um, VAR, yes, of course, it is still the hot topic here. And it seems every single week. I was interested in what Alexis was saying, how he thinks this is all the fault of the English Premier League and the fact that every time a referee goes to the monitor because VAR have advised him to do so, that he goes with his colleagues' advice. To a degree, he is right. There is a high percentage of the times the referee goes to the monitor. But the flaw in his argument that he goes there every single time is the amount of times they go there and look at it. And also, if I said to you, Alexis, then on that basis, if you go back to the Newcastle-Arsenal game last week, the Kai Havertz tackle and also uh, the Guillermesh forearm to the head, VAR didn't think that was a problem whatsoever. So on that basis, he wouldn't have been called to the monitor. So does VAR still work for you? No, and in fact, those are the situations where we've talked about on the show. It's really frustrating to see a moment where a player gets elbowed in the back of the head and clearly not a footballing situation. There was no ball they were going for. Mm. This was outside of the uh, play. And it still, for some reason, not gets called to the VAR. I think there's still issues as to when VAR is used. I don't think that's perfect. But I still hold true that you guys ruined it for everybody. Well, Alexis, MLS had it right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should be more like MLS. The how about this? Is. Shreve, uh, Jeff Shreves, how about this playoffs in the Premier League? What do you think? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I, think, I think the problem we've got, to be serious for one second, the problem we've all got is that we're all expecting for VAR to solve every single issue. And the problem is, these things are subjective. A lot of these decisions, look, over the goal line 
technology works brilliantly because it is factual. After that, you can have differing opinions. Now, today, the independent advisory panel, it was released, in fact, yesterday, they looked at the VAR decisions from the Newcastle game. They said the referee was right to award the goal. There was no reason not to, but they said there should have been two sendings off. So we've already got a difference of opinion there. And if you take the various stakeholders in the game, the managers, the players, the referees themselves, you can't honestly say that we are any further forward than we were before we had the AR. Everyone says it's here to stay. It's not going to go away. It's the people who operate it or who deploy it that are the problem. But I don't think it's right to blame them. It's not factual. People have got to get it out of their heads. It's going to be right every time. It's not going to happen. One really interesting point this morning, I'm going to switch codes here. For so long, rugby has been talked about as the place where football or soccer should look because they get it right with the TMO, the discussions and referee. Today, Lawrence Delaglio, a World Cup winner with England, said, we've got to stop this. Rugby's becoming a joke. Stop, start, every decision, TMO, upstairs, the analysis, it's wrong. It's killing the game. So even rugby has got a problem now. And they were held up as the example for football to follow. I mean, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, IFAB is where I'm placing most of the blame. It's the referees are implementing how they're being told to implement the technology. There's situations that they're given the four that they can go to and use VAR, and it's become this over-scrutinizing. When the referees go over to the monitor, it's the set of rules that they've been allowed to work with. So IFAB needs to have a conversation and, and IFAB between, it's the Northern Ireland FA, the English FA, the Scottish FA, and, and the Football Association board. They need to talk to people who play this game, to the players, to the managers, to get common sense back into this because football will always be subjective. I get it on goal line technology. I get it on offside. But there will be human error and a sake of interpretation. And if you're looking back at a replay, the referees aren't trusting their gut. They're now interpreting things off of monitors 100%. and replays. 100%. In, in, in fact, I would very much include the referees in this discussion because that, there's two things happening here. They're refereeing with an insurance. So, as you say, go with your gut. They'll see something happening. They build up to a goal and then thinking, not quite sure about that. I'll let it ride. And if there's an error there, VAR will pick it up and I'll be saved. So there's two things happening here. The game is being re-refereed and the referees are refereeing with insurance as well. So that's why we've ended up in this. It makes them less sharp. It makes a referee less sharp. If they don't have to make those critical calls in the moment, how are you expecting to, to hone your skill if you always know that there's somebody that can correct you? If you can go over a monitor and reinterpret things. If a footballer can always make a mistake, the footballer's never going to get better. The footballer needs to yeah. make mistakes, needs to learn, and, and, and you can, all of these skills, you can brush them up and sharpen them. Yeah, also, so you look at Ange Postacoglu's comments after the game the other night. He said, you're going to see more games like that. He, he said, I don't like it at all. Stand around, waiting for decisions. And he also accepted that players, managers put pressure on referees. He said, he said, it's just really not for me. The whole discussion, the whole analysis was his take that this the game is not heading in the right decision. He made it very clear he doesn't like it. And to be honest with you, it was really refreshing to hear that from one of the top managers. We well, should borrow something from his home country where they allow the stadium and the broadcast to hear the refs 
have the conversation during VAR. I think that would help alleviate a lot of questions after. I'm not saying it would alleviate issues with what the calls, but it would help alleviate some of the conversation. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's well, that feedback. Was, that was vet- yeah, sorry, Ali. Sorry to interrupt No, go ahead. No, go that, ahead. Was vet- that, that was vetoed this week when Howard Webb said, um, the reason it's not available, because it, there's so much noise and hubbub, if you like, it, it wouldn't make sense for the listeners or the viewers to hear. I think that's absolute nonsense, or certainly it should be available uh, soon after so we can understand where and how they came from the decisions. Also as well, I think the viewer should see the angles that the referees are being offered and that they are are looking at. Are they looking Uh, in slow motion straight away? Have they checked all of the angles? On what basis have they made the decision? But even as I say that, Honestly, I don't even like the sound of my own voice. And it's not often I say that, right? Because I, I sound like some sort of criminal lawyer looking to forensically pick apart everything. Now, I know the argument is the game is so big and there's so much at stake in terms of um, money and in terms of the competitions. I get that. But surely somewhere we've got to find a middle ground. And sometimes it will go for you sometimes it will go against you. And I know some people listen to me saying this and think I'm some sort of dinosaur, and they will be right, but <laughs> where does this end? Where does this actually end, this analysis? You were talking about the Liverpool goal the other night. 13 seconds that went back for the handball. So we're going to go to a minute, five minutes? It's like you've got something on your record before a goal was scored, and that's taken into account. Previous convictions. It, it, honestly, it's an utter mess. Well, Jeff, I, I think it makes for the perfect transition to Manchester United, a team looking to bounce back from uh, VAR uh, in their massive loss to, to Copenhagen. How hot is the seat that Eric Tentag is sitting on, and do you see them bouncing back against Town? Because if they do lose this match, <laughs> where do you go from here? Ooh. It's it's doubly bad as well because, of course, it's right before the international break. So they were looking last week for three positive results. Now, uh, they managed to get one last week, last minute, last gasp against Fulham. So that was a huge boost for them. Midweek, how they managed to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory is is anyone's guess. Uh, And they have so many problems right now. Now, the form book should tell you that they'll get all three points against Luton Town. The Luton Town although they drew last week against Liverpool, their tails will be up. That, that result will have done them a huge amount of good in that they, I know they were at home and, and Kenilworth Road is a very different ground and they had that advantage, but they'll go there in high speed. There's zero pressure on Luton Town right now. Nobody expects outside their supporters for them to get anything from it. Manchester United are vulnerable right now. They're not playing well. They're not scoring goals, although they scored obviously in midweek, but they are right now a team not playing with any confidence and seemingly not much of a pattern of play either in terms of it's very difficult to determine exactly what they're trying to achieve with what they've got on the field. And all that pressure on their shoulders right now too. Speaking of pressure, uh, Chelsea, uh, Man City traveled down to Stamford Bridge. Uh, Look, this is going to be a tough match for Chelsea. I know they've won two in a row in the league, but they haven't beaten Manchester City since 2021. Jeff, what's going on at Chelsea? Do you think they stand a chance against Manchester City on Sunday? Do you know what is also significant about that last victory in 2021? Champions League? What else was significant? There was no fans yet, or maybe they were back. <laughs> that that was the last time a Chelsea player scored against Manchester City. It was Ooh. Kai Havertz. Wow. wow. <laughs> they beat them four times 
last season um, without reply. I think they've won their last four games 1-0 against Chelsea. So right now, Manchester City are not the team that Chelsea wants to be facing. I mean, it's going to be an interesting day for Cole Palmer, obviously, against his old club. But again, going back to Monday night's game, they won 4-1. But, but strangely, Tottenham seemed to come out of the game. I know Chelsea came out with the points. It was a massive win for them. But Tottenham seemed to come out almost with more credit with the way they played and the way, the way they approached the game as well. So Chelsea have got to sort out their home form. I think well, they've lost three out of four so far this season at home. Uh, this is a tough, tough game against the champions. If they can get something, anything from the game, it'd be massive for them. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And uh, as we try to dissect VAR and find the answers here on Morning Footy, we will continue to fight the good fight. Uh, but well, in- I've, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed being with you. I'm going to go back and I'm going to review the tape and I'll let you know what my decision is. <laughs> uh, much appreciated. Much appreciated. Uh, delay, 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 delay. Delay, delay, delay. Check complete. Yeah. Uh, Can you at least let us hear the audio afterwards? <laughs> yes. No. I, I'd like that audio uh, in addition to the actual report as well. Uh, Jeff Shreves, thank you so much. We'll chat with you again soon. Coming up next, uh, we will chat all things Major League Soccer. They're in the playoffs at the moment. Stay with us. <laughs> 